Inner Voice, a heartfelt chat with Dr. Fujian. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Inner Voice podcast. It is so great to be with you today. I'm Dr. Fujian Zane. I'm a psychotherapist and author and the originator of the Awareness Integration Theory. Our heartfelt chat is about what matters most in our life, our minds, our thoughts, feelings, actions, relationships, and our fulfillment in this beautiful journey of life. For all of you beautiful souls that have been asking about my books and how to get involved with awareness integration uh, theory, I want you to, if you're a coach or a therapist, I want you to know about our upcoming workshop that um, will be the, a part of the certification program. It's called the Essentials of the Awareness Integration Theory. It will be three days, February 10th, 11th, and 12th. Um, you'll get 20 hours online. The course will be online. So anywhere else from anywhere in the world that you can, you are, you can join us. We will be talking about the nine principles and six interventions um, and multiple applications of the awareness integration theory. The early bird registration is January 20th. So don't wait. If you are in California and you're a marriage and family therapist, we do offer you a CEU from um, approved by camp. So you can uh, join us definitely. Now go to awareness integration um dot com or um awareness integration institute at um gmail.com and uh send me um your interest and i will send you the flyers and all the information um you can also just contact me via my own email Fuzan Zane, and i will uh, send you all of that uh which um it would help you to go ahead and uh, be with us i love to have you we have um, many of the therapists and coaches who are being certified also being on the Fujian app, which will be launching in a couple of weeks, um, because Fujian app will take awareness integration and um, have the people who are using it go through the whole process. Most people might also need to have a little bit of a deeper work, and uh, that's where therapists and coaches come along and um, when you're certified, um, they can connect with you and um, for you to work deeper with them. Today, in this episode, I chat with Lindsay Seely. Uh, Lindsay is a dedicated educator and consultant, a passionate keynote speaker, and the author of award-winning books, Growing Strong Girls and Rooted, Resilient, and Ready. She holds a bachelor's degree from Simon Fraser University on the west coast of Canada, and she has her master's degree in educational leadership from San Diego State University. She's currently pursuing mind-body lifestyle research. Lindsay is the founder of Bold New Girls and Brave New Boys, teaching and coaching designed to empower growing minds of all ages and with diverse experiences to be healthy, happy, and confident and to become even more of who you choose to be. Lindsay is interested in integration of personal growth and academic success. You can find her at lindsayseely.com. Today, we're gonna to talk about happiness, authenticity, how to be in your power and live there. And uh, her latest book, which covers all of that, Made for More, a fresh start approach to a bolder, brighter you. 
subscribe to my podcast, my YouTube channel, and connect with me through my website, bhujanzain.com, or any of my social media. Get my book, Life Reset, uh, The Awareness Integration Path to the Life You Want, and share it with your friends. This uh, is like a self-help book. They'll take you through the process. You can also, if you're a coach or a therapist, you could get Awareness Integration Therapy book, which takes you through the whole process and teaches you that. And if you are a parent or a teacher who works with children, get the intentional parenting that takes you also through the awareness integration theory on each stages of your child. Share with me. I love to hear from you and uh, work with you and see what you're interested in so that I can share with you about that or bring guests who can also share about that with you. So without further ado, let's go and talk to Lindsay Seal. Welcome to the show, Lindsay Seely. It is so nice to have you all the way from Vancouver, Canada. Thank you for having me. So um, I'd love to talk about your book, Made for More. And one of the um, beauty that I um, saw is that it starts from really looking at more or less, which is something that our brain usually does. It constantly goes into this comparative aspect of, as if like being here and now is it's not enough or we're not content. So our brain does this game and you kind of like went into the game and played with the game of, you know, uh, find your more and less list and let's go play with it. So can you share with us um, how did you come up? Like, why did you come up with that approach? How did you go uh, looking at this approach into looking at all of these wonderful aspects like happiness and you know uh, gratitude and confidence and everything else that is going to boost us thank you for saying it that way I love that idea or you picked up on that idea of, of playing around with the concept I love words so this idea of more and less and this balanced approach really appealed to me but I think it probably began with um maybe more of the negative aspect of the more, because I believe in our society and in the what culture teaches us is that we have to push really hard for more, more, more. So it's all about more money and achievements and accolades and more success and more status and more stuff, like keep buying, keep pushing, keep, you know, um, really overextending yourself, doing more in a day. And that couldn't be more, the opposite of the message of this book. So I understand or understood that this is the the world that we live in is that push for more. And ultimately, I think what we're all doing is to prove that we matter. I want to live my life. And at the end of the day, I want to be a somebody. And that's good. As humans, we want to grow. Like that's a beautiful, natural, completely like organic process that I think is what makes us, you know, enjoy this life. However, from my own experience and from the experience I have with working with young women, it's that the more can be achieved, we can, you know, earn the degree and we can get the job and we can find the relationship and have a lot of money in our bank account. But what happens when we, we reach our mores and we don't feel good enough, mm -hmm. we still have that feeling inside of like, but 
that doesn't feel like it's good. It doesn't feel like that's happiness or fulfillment. And, and I think that's true. I've definitely been there and done that. And so what I started to think about is what if we redefine more? Like, what if we took this inside out approach, not the outside in approach that we're taught by societal messages. And so what that means is like, what if my more was about focusing on more confidence and more bravery and more boldness and more um, risks and more connection and mindfulness and all of that good stuff. And what I think happens is when we focus on those mores, sort of the more intrinsic mores, really naturally and again, beautifully, we will achieve. Because if I feel good on the inside, I'm going to want to share that good. If I'm shining with lots of joy and happiness and, and I have peace with myself, I'm going to just naturally like shine and like be my best self and achieve all of, all of what I want in my life. But it's not about proving my worth. It's now about just living out my worth. And, and so I think the more we re I really wanted to flip the script on the more. And then if you look at it really practically, if you want more of anything, there has to be a process of letting go of the things that are holding you back. There has to be a less of something like if I want more happiness, I'm going to have to let go and find ways to, um, really let, um, really, not focus so much on the sadness, the pain, the depression. If I want more mindfulness, I'm going to have to let go of those distractions. If I want more power, I'm going to have to let go and have much less of the insecurities and the obstacles holding me back. So I really wanted to go back and forth between those ideas. And you did a beautiful job in, in saying mm -hmm. like, if you want if you want more happiness, then would you be willing to let go of you know all the lists that you have written? And I think it is so important because um, I think there is a whole some time of I want I want something and I'm not letting it go, even if it's to the to their detriment to our detriment, as if we get fixated in holding on to some things. I remember the same thing you said where I experienced um, wanting specific things and I got them like I wanted you know, to have my own business and my own home and be married and, you know, do all of that, um, you know, the white picket fence. And, you know, obviously the, the, those were the things that I was supposed to have. And I got them in a couple of years, even earlier than what I had declared. And like you said, I just, well, I'm like, all right, I got it. I'm not happy. Now what? Yeah. You know, the now you. what keeps coming back, but the other side of it was also um, not willing to let go of a lot of the, like, victimized positions that I had or things that were inside. So the, the two kept um, bashing each other. It's like, there's no way of uh, uh, releasing and letting go unless you release and let it go. Mm -hmm. And I, some of the way that I was looking at your book is it's pushing that in front of you, which is, okay, if you're really, this is where you want to be, are you willing to let go of the other side? And you have to make that choice. Um, and, and, you know, the way that the practices are in the book shows up. They also, you define in each one of these pieces where it could be defined for ourselves, like happiness. Like, let's define happiness. Let's define authenticity. What is it that you're really, really wanting? And what are you willing to kind of like have less or let go? Um, so can you share about how you define happiness? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um... 
It could be many things. I think happiness is really about, um, I actually unpack it a little bit differently in the book, uh, really going a little bit deeper into joy. Cause I think happiness again, could be external. Like, you know, you feel good, that's happiness or you get what you want, or it's just like that feeling inside of like, everything's good. Everything, you know, makes sense. I have a smile in my face, on my face. I have some energy. And I think if we just take happiness to that next level, it's really about joy. Like it, it takes it to that deeper, like, you know, that feeling when your heart is full and just, it's sort of like exploding and and I, I talk about joy in terms of that practice, like you said, um, actually not waiting for it. So it's not on the outside, like, oh, I'm happy when I get the car. I'm happy when I get the relationship. I'm happy when I have X amount of dollars in my account. But joy is like something that it's that inside out experience. So joy is something that I can create with awareness. What does joy mean to me? Intentionality. What do I have to do to create my joy? And I think it's it's definitely taking it, uh, let's say it's leveling up on happiness. And I think that as much as I want to define happiness, whatever that means to me or whatever that means to you, I also flip the script on those definitions to what is it not? So I know I'm happy when I'm creating and I also know I'm not so happy when I'm stagnant and bored. Even, even resting is hard for me. <laughs> it's like, I experienced this yesterday. It's like, oh, I just, I know it's good for me, but I really, you know, I don't love it. I love when I'm doing, when I'm creating. And so I think it's, um, it is what I say about all of these words in the book, but I also wanted to encourage the re the readers to really like, read what I'm saying and absorb it, but make it your own because we all define happiness and joy and, and all these other beautiful words, um, in different ways. So just being able to like make it customized and unique and, uh, what does it mean to you, but also what is it not? Can you share like, stop buying happiness, stop seeking happiness. <laughs> yeah. Because I've done it all. <laughs> stop yeah. begging people for your happiness. It doesn't work. But I think that that's part of the awareness. You have to realize what it is that you are doing for your happiness. And if it works, keep doing it. And if it doesn't just be willing to, to make some changes and, and let go of what is no longer serving you. And I think happiness comes from both sides, not only from an internal space, but we could be joyous and then something can happen externally in the world that, um, you know, it impacts us and doesn't make us, you know, when you look at the war, when you're part of part of mm -hmm. something that's happening externally, um, it affects you. But it's almost like, how do I how do I keep myself internally in a space where I can also deal with the external world? And I work with people who are coming from countries which are a lot of war and famine and this time and, you know, killings. And it's like, well, how can you expect me to be happy when um, the rest, you know, the rest of my people here are getting killed or getting, um, you know, um, destroyed in somehow? And I've noticed that even from the concept of how do we define happiness, which is if I, if I can be content sometimes with where I am and who I am, then I can lend a hand to people who are not. And even that by itself, the serving of others be, makes me happy and joyous inside. In the worst scenario, 
it's still there's this place because I think sometimes people have the idea that happiness and joy is only in you know when you're laughing and partying and you know <laughs> it's all like you know positive sense I'm I'm adding to it that even in the worst scenario of the outside world, however it is, there is a part of us, which I define, that can be content and um, in gratitude and holding the love and compassion for people. And maybe for me, that also creates happiness. What are your thoughts? Oh, I really love that. I have a couple of things to say. First of all, I think that we are unfortunately programmed to be happy all the time. And that's completely real, unrealistic. So there's no happy all the time. There is no instant happiness. Like I feel like the best way for me to describe happiness and joy and and feeling good is that it just, it really comes in surprising ways and it doesn't, it doesn't last and no feeling does. Like, could you imagine being happy all the time? It's like being, (laughs) being in a warm climate, it's warm all the time and you get used to it. And you also, um, become complacent with it, right? Like, well, this is just the way it is. You stop noticing that it's nice and sunny and warm. I think that the contrast of life and, and the variation is what helps us re-appreciate happiness as it, as it comes and goes. So it's not instant and it definitely isn't constant. And I just, feel like the more open we are, I think, to, to life and like trying, like you said, trying to see the good in a situation, even if it doesn't seem that good. I think we have to work a little harder in those situations and dig a little deeper, but I think that it can surprise you and, and delight you. And I think that's sort of joy in and of itself. Like there, a lot of life, if we're honest, is not happy. It's boring. And it's hard and it's challenging and it's confusing. And that's, I think that's a reasonable expectation. And then when happiness comes along or, you know, a surprise or, you know, uh, act of gratitude, or like you said, we find someone to help and that feels so good, that act of altruism, then I think it's like, it's this life bonus, I call it. So I think that it's, I'm really, I'm really learning to like really, um, accept and embrace all the feelings as they come, but also know they're just, they're like waves. Like there's a beginning, middle end, and they come and go. And just to really try to find value in all of the feelings. Beautiful. Yeah. You also talk about confidence, um, more confidence and less doubt. Um, mm-hmm. I've noticed by kind of, let's say aging, uh, and I don't mean aging by like old aging, I mean, like just growing up, um, there's a part of us that starts, at one point, confidence might be in what we do. Like we try things, we know how to do them, and we're confident in doing one thing. And then as I've aged, it's almost like confident about listening to yourself and knowing what you want. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, being confident in you. Versus like, you know, as a teenager or a young adult, um, it's more about, let me be confident about what I do, but I really want to be uh, approved and validated from my world. So, you know, they kind of tell me what I should be confident about. And I've noticed as I've grown up um, that that has changed a little bit beyond confidence and skills. It now has become more like, I'm confident about what I say I want and that that's, that's cool. 
What what are your thoughts on that? Oh, that's so great. Yeah, that's another example I think of outside in because you're right. We're as we grow, we're confident in our skill set, and when we can do something, we get the attention, the affirmation, that stamp of approval, and and that's a good thing. Like that's one version of confidence. And as we grow, it can become a little bit more of um, the inside work, the inside job of like now I'm confident in my identity in my voice, in my like wisdom and intuition that's coming in. And I think it's, it's not really an either, or I think it's a both and right. And I think like lots of times when I'm working with particularly younger girls, but also older girls, like we really start to look at confidence as an ability to be brave and take risks. Mm -hmm. Like can confidence come from your mistakes can confidence come from, you know, those bad days where you, you know, you made a series of, of unhealthy choices. Can you gain confidence in, in those lessons too? Not just in, you know, the shiny examples of confidence, like, yeah, I succeeded. I got the A or, you know, I made the team or um, I got the job. And like, again, those are great, but confidence in that deeper, deeper sense. It's like how, how, how do you do when life is uncomfortable or when things are difficult or when you're making those mistakes or when you don't want to step out of your comfort zone, but you do, can we find confidence in, in the deeper sense? And, and I think yes, yes. And yes. And that's kind of the magic. Mate for more, a fresh start approach to an older, brighter you, uh, Lindsay Seeley, um, some fun book. Lindsay, you really created a fun book. Thank it's you. not just that it has a lot of information and it has the essence of really looking at and, you know, uh, uh, not only definition of um, items, but also presenting ways where each person can really reflect. But the design of it is fun. Like you enjoy, like at one point, you know, they're. <laughs> Thank they're you. Other pages, it's like to be honest with you, and then you know it, it has a writing, and so it, you've really done a great job of uh, when you you keep saying you know it's boring, boring. I could see that this this book is a not boring because it's set up oh, in a way that it's you know it makes it captures you, and then it kind of like throws you into the next conversation in such a fun way. So the next conversation, which I love, is authenticity, and I think that. And it was interesting because you said more authenticity, less conformity. And it was interesting to be bring those two together because I had not necessarily brought those two together. That when I thought about authenticity, I wasn't really thinking about that. But when, when you pre presented it that way, I'm like, yeah, like when, where is it that we lose our authenticity a lot of times? It is because we want to conform with others. And then maybe sometimes we've done this so long that it's just become such an automatic place that we're not noticing that we're losing who we are. Mm -hmm. um, and then finding the, the voice inside and then you know choosing how to be with the outside world, but at least finding it first, like, being authentic to yourself, I think, is the first step. Then the next step is, okay, how am I going to be all, you know, how am I going to live that authenticity to the world? Uh, that's what, how it, it landed on me. So share a little bit about that. Sure. So I think authenticity really begins with our ability to tell ourselves the truth and to stand in truth. And that sounds so easy, like just tell the truth. But I think it's incredibly hard. 
it's hard to face ourselves as our, our true selves. And I think we spend a lot of time creating a persona or that good girl image, or, you know, for me, it was always about being perfect, not making mistakes and always appearing like I had it all together, even if I was crumbling on the inside. So I think it's, it's really hard to like be that real and raw with yourself. But I think it's also important that we understand as humans, we're a lot of good stuff and bad stuff. I have so many positive qualities and I am more than happy to share with you all of my negative qualities. Now, I don't necessarily lead with the flaws and it takes time to get to know me, to, to get the all of me. But I think it's so important. Like if nothing else, I tell young women, just start to write in your journal, who are you really? Who are you today? And it's it's not to say I want that to be a place of self-judgment and self-deprecation, but just truth. Like there are things that you're not so happy about and it's great to meet yourself where you're at and to commit to trying to improve in those areas and try to become a little bit better each and every day in that really amazing, like self-kind and self-compassionate way, right? So we're meeting ourselves where we're at in that truth and we're committing to growing. I think it gets hard harder in the presence of others, especially when we've always been a certain way or there's expectations. But I think that even just step-by-stepping your way through, like becoming a little bit more authentic all of the time is such a good practice. So it might be sharing your, your opinion or your ideas, even though you know that the group would not agree with you, or it's maybe, um, sharing a little bit about, you know, some of your secrets or some of your shames or, you know, when you make a mistake, I always feel like when I make a mistake, I don't want to tell anyone. Like, I just want to figure it out and then keep going and like, keep, you know, keep the persona up and the the smile on. And then I think, you know what, what if I did it differently? What if I just said like, Hey, yesterday I, I got a speeding ticket. Sometimes I post this stuff on social media just because I just want to share. And it's amazing what happens, how many people understand and get it. And I think feel that you've given them permission to also share their mistakes and their flaws and their fears. And, and I think authenticity is exactly that it's opening the idea to a, a real connection instead of, um, you know, a superficial relationship or a relationship that's really based on trying to like keep up an image that's not necessarily true. And it's particularly hard on social media because I think that's exactly what everyone does. They're trying to show an image and it's, you know, the, my best self and the highlight reel, but slowly I'm, I'm seeing a shift with, you know, no filters or being a little bit more um, honest and a little bit more vulnerable sharing, like, like I said, um, the positive stuff and the stuff that we want to hide from other people. It's hard. It's very hard. <laughs> um, as you were talking, I noticed that there's also this part of us where if we're authentic to ourselves, I can say what I have naturally a gift and what I'm good at and what are naturally I'm not that great at, but however I learned and I gained the skills and there are things that I'm just not naturally good at and I'm not good at it even when I learned the skills. And to be honest with you, I'm not even interested in those skills. So sometimes it's like if when I'm authentic to myself, I'm like, all right, I just don't want to do this. And I can, you know, um, team create a team to do this with somebody else or hire somebody else to do this part. I've noticed that being 
authentic and realistic with myself, sometimes it really has helped mm-hmm. in not, um, you know, kind of like putting myself down about why am I not good at this? I should be. And, you know, pushing myself and like, and I'm still not good at this. There mm-hmm. are things that I'm just not going to be good at. Mm-hmm. And I think even coming authentically okay with that, you know, the things that I'm great at and there are things that are just not me. And I think that part of uh, being honest with ourselves and having a realistic view without any blame or judgment, but a realistic view of, you know, maybe if I'm really wanting to do this piece, maybe I should come um, and connect with someone else or hire someone else or all of that. Um, I've done that with physical body concepts, like exercises and this and that. Like if you leave it up to me, I'm just not going to do it. And it doesn't matter how many trainers I've gotten. I I got this. Like, I know, I know I have all the knowledge. Okay. I'm going to do this. I don't. And it was at one point, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to be okay that I don't. And I'm just going to hire a trainer to do it with because I'm going to come to this place of that's just not my forte. Why am I blaming myself for not doing that versus just, okay, let me just, it's okay that this is not my, you know, the best side of me. That's so interesting. And I think that's been coming up with me a lot too. It's like, you know, in my head, I'm going to be an amazing piano player and I'm fantastic at social media and, and I can, you know, create all these courses. And at the end of the day, I've been asking myself, like, do I really even want to do those things? And if I haven't, I know myself very well. If I haven't done it by now, I think that means I don't really want to. (laughs) I'm not that interested. And so I liked what you said about either like you let it go, like let go of the judgment, but also let go of this ideal that you're hanging on to that's probably taking a lot of your brain space and energy and let go of the judgment and just focus on the things that you love, that you're interested in, that come more naturally to you. And it's not to say we can't challenge ourselves with some difficulty, but I just feel like (laughs) if we haven't, done it if we're not like excited about it if it's not that hell yes then we probably don't want to and that's okay that's a part of the authentic authentic piece right just this is just not me right now and that's okay and on on we go we probably waste a lot of time feeling i probably should but (laughs) i don't really want to what's wrong with me why haven't i done it and I think that's important. And I also was going to add as I, as I grow and step into my like made for more and the things that are most important to me, I have learned a tremendous lesson in not caring what people think, because I think a lot of my life is like, well, what will people think if I don't do that? What will people think if I decide to shift, shift lanes or shift gears? What will people think if I'm not this kind of person anymore? And I was always so worried. And now I just don't care. Because at the end of the day, I I hope that I'm going to choose me over over what other people think of me, and um and I think that's been that's a confidence builder, and it's also another step closer to authenticity. Yes, I, I it was a time where I wanted to be an administrator. I wanted my own company, and I created companies, and I created this and that. And it's interesting that at one point it's like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I don't want administration. I just, that's not my forte. I don't like it anymore. And it's interesting because people come to me and say, let's do this and let's create this business. And you've done it before. And and I'm like, "Mm, I don't want to. And this, (laughs) it's, it's that part of, 
I should because that's what I've done before. So it's shifting from, you know, the shouldism to like, what do I, what, what gets me going? And I think that's part of um, what I'm also sensing with your book is coming to terms with uh, not only what the definitions are, but what is that definition for me? As you said, very beautifully. You talk about more progress and less perfection, more mindfulness, less distraction, um, kind of more connection uh, versus separation. Um, and you talked about more power and less fear. Let's talk about the less fear part. Um, and, and from your perspective, how do you work with fear so that it, you know, that it kind of like calms down? So, you know, is it, it's like this catch 22, do I gain my power and automatically fears go away? Or is it a way that I'm being with fear that I entice my power to come up? Oh, so interesting. Well, I think a lot of new projects, new ideas, new opportunities for me, I just, I'm afraid like from the beginning, like I always just acknowledge my fear. I think I've probably learned to befriend my fear. And I do like the phrase of, you know, feel the fear and do it anyways. But also I, I want to be like self-compassionate with myself. Like it's scary. So just to feel the fear and keep going is a little bit difficult and challenging, but I think that it's okay to feel afraid and it's okay to like spend some time with, well, why am I afraid? Like, what exactly am I afraid of? Like, I think I, my fear is often twofold. Like I'm afraid of failing. I'm afraid of not doing a good job, an excellent job. Like it has to be like, like I want to knock it out of the park every time. So I'm afraid of fa uh, failing. And if I fail, like what will people think of me? So there's a lot wrapped up in the failure piece, but, and this is the the interesting part, I'm also afraid of succeeding. And I think I, I touch on this in power because when we succeed, there is also now an expectation. Mm -hmm. So if I give a really great presentation, I am so happy, but right away is if people say that was amazing, that was the best presentation ever. I don't feel like good about that because now I feel like, whoa, now the bar is set high. I have to be this good every presentation and there's been presentations where I've, I've canceled or panicked because I'm, I'm not on, I know it, this isn't going to be perfect. It's just going to be eight out of 10. And that to me is failure. And so I think there, there's a lot of pressure to succeed and keep succeeding. And I think also when it comes, especially when it comes to what people think of us, um, it's hard to do well and to feel that sense of like confidence and strength and power and to really own it because we're afraid that people will think we're, you know, too good, you know, conceited, um, you know, too big for our britches, whatever the expression is like. And I think that that's really scary for a lot of us, like to actually like feel like that experience of like, you know, I worked hard and I did really great at whatever it is. And I want to like stand in the light. I want to share it with everyone because I'm so proud of myself. But what will people think of that? So then we sort of like pull back and then we want to like hide and be like, oh, well, it was okay. But like, tell me about you. And we like sort of give our power away, so to speak. So I think that I'm equally afraid of both the failure and the success. So I do have a tendency to like accept the fear and to like really um, 
reflect on what is what it is that I'm afraid of and and try to work my way through it. But I I do typically just keep going. Like it's like I just keep stepping and sort of I I do like the philosophy of of do it anyway because that is how we grow, even though it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to be afraid of of both the failure or the success. But I think that I've just learned like you you do it and and then you um you know reflect on the process. And then you typically are motivated to keep going, but I, I, it's very rare that fear stops me, but it definitely challenges me. Um, I've noticed uh, that uh, based on the same thought process that you're sharing, um, I took on this concept and then I think I went a little bit too far with it, which I, um, it's as if I'm, I'm focusing so much on what I have to do in order to move forward that um is as if the fear in the background hits my body and so i get sometimes dizzy and i get um um my body gets uncomfortable and i'm so focused on moving forward that i forget that maybe i should just stop and listen to <laughs> the emotion a little bit too and i've noticed that on a subconscious level I've said this to myself so much it's like okay just I know you're you're afraid I know you're anxious but you know just focus just focus take a deep breath and go and then my body's like no like I'm gonna make you dizzy if you just don't listen to me for a minute and I've really noticed that so and then it's funny is like because I'm so surprised like I don't understand how come I'm dizzy I don't understand what's going on and then I panic myself for not understanding what's going on. And at one point I'm like, it's just fear and anxiety sharing with me that hold on a minute, acknowledge me and then move on versus avoid me with at all costs and move on. I don't know if you've ever had that experience. Oh yeah. That's really, that's a really good point. So I think there is definitely a, a, distinction between, you know, our thoughts, like I think I can, or, you know, I'm not going to worry about her. I'm going to keep going and our body. Right. And I think that your body and the response that you had is really your body saying, you know, wait a second, I need you to pay attention to me. I need you to like, maybe slow down, um, ground, ground yourself, take some deep breaths, like really like notice what's happening physically and once you take care of your body's needs, I think then your brain is obviously going to think clearer and be able to, to cope better. But I think that that's so true. We can almost in a way get a little bit too far ahead of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I'm in charge of my thoughts and I'll just keep going and it's okay. And like, we can power through, which I am a big fan of, but I think it also has to be from that really grounded sense of like, but here I am with myself. And I'm taking care of my needs and I'm listening to my body and nurturing my body. And then I can keep going just stronger and better and more confidently. But I think you're, there's a book called the body keeps the score. And yeah. I think that's really appropriate. It's like your body that. is so smart and amazing. And it's going to tell you, you know, simply whether you're hungry or thirsty and also whether you're afraid or stressed and anxious or just not doing okay. And as we grow, I think we hopefully learn to pay more attention and, uh, and you're right. That is literally feeling the fear but it, it's not letting you, it stop you. It's just like, you're feeling it as a way of going through it and it's uncomfortable. And then it's not, 
and there's a release and then you're in a stronger position. Very much. Yeah. It's like, I've noticed that sometimes I've dissociated and then my body does its own thing, which is, ah, I don't think so. Like you're not going anywhere until you take care of my body or I'm just going to, you know, move along with you because I am you. So I'm going to move along with you. So you better pay attention to me because I think that in that way that you automatically are losing power. So, but however, being with the emotion and then moving to the next level, is like, okay, now you can experience your power because you have, you've already taken care of yourself in that way. So true. Uh, and you're, you're supposed to be working together, but you're right. We dissociate, we escape, we avoid, we push down, we anesthetize and your body will just get like louder and, uh, and give you more signs until you actually give it what it needs, which is right. Right. So when you, um, you decided to work with girls, is that growing strong girls and rooted, um, why girls? Why have you chosen to work with girls? Well, I started teaching. I was teaching one-on-one with boys and girls, all ages and stages. And um, I think I was probably the most concerned with the girls. And it's not to say I don't have concerns about boys. And it's not to say I actually I do work with some with some boys <laughs> and young men, so I've opened up my business. But I just feel like with girls, uh, I definitely notice an obvious pattern of how confident and authentic and um, amazing they knew they were until about age eight or nine, and then there was a drastic shift. So these girls that were so confident were suddenly shyer and more hesitant and less talkative. And, you know, it was a lot of not telling me their opinions and ideas, but it was asking me if I felt their opinions and ideas were good enough. And I started to notice that. So there was definite cause for concern. And at the same time in, in the concern and in these, um, these early years of change, I really found my calling or I think my, my passion for being able to just talk to them. We just talked about their feelings and their thoughts and their experiences. And on a really deep psychological level, I am sure that I was talking to them in the ways that I needed to be talked to, but that wasn't available to me. And so I feel like that was like me giving purpose to some of my early pain. Like, well, no one, no one asked me about my feelings. I didn't really get a chance to have a conversation with someone in a really safe space. And I didn't have someone who created that space um, that allowed me to just be my true self. And so I felt I, it was like a great full circle moment to me where I could just, I could notice these changes and I could just be, be there for them and, um, and talk to them and ask them questions and be able to help them and support them and guide them and validate them and see them for who they were and, and coach and champion them. And I think that became something that was incredibly rewarding to me. And I think I just probably was naturally good at it. And it just, it just interested me. And honestly, that interest hasn't faded. I just, that's how much I love it. I love being that person for them. And I love talking to them and I love just really trying to like get to know them and, um, and yeah, give them that time that they need and the attention, the really positive attention that they crave and help them see the goodness in themselves. Because I think that that gets lost. 
I see this so much that you write around age eight all the way, let's say to 15, 16, are very important age where developmentally um, there is a lot of doubt and finding who I am and, you know, shifting from one one aspect to another. And that's where a lot of doubt comes. And it's so important to intervene. And sometimes I've looked at that age and, you know, you can see the worst in humanity come up around, <laughs> around um, uh, not high school, but junior high. Like the things that the things that kids do to each other around them, it's almost like watching, uh, watching human being experience all sides of itself, and um, that's where we, you know, we experience a lot of the bullying toward each other, and you know, demeaning, and a lot of things happen at that time. And I think it's so important um, to intervene with like what you say and what you're doing to come in and um, and uh, guide the person into a place of really seeing themselves and honoring themselves and finding the tools in how to be with themselves. So that it's it's amazing what you do in the age group that you're doing is I think it's it's beautiful. It's really needed and it's really needed also in schools, I think. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think that if if I could have my my dreams come true, it's like all girls would have someone like me or something in the school, uh, programs in the school, so that they at a very early age could start understanding who they are and what their uniqueness is and what their authentic self is and what happiness means to them and how they want to grow and how they can care for themselves and listen to their body and support themselves. And if you think about it, if every little girl had that resource and had those really engaging conversations and felt seen, heard, valued, and validated, bullying wouldn't exist. Yes. It wouldn't happen at all. So we want all girls to feel good about themselves. And when they feel good, they do good things in this world. And so I know that's, that's a big dream. <laughs> it's a big ask, but I think that is what's required. And if I, you know, I just work with one girl at a time, but to me, something is better than nothing. And, uh, and that's how, that's how change happens. Positive change. Yes, absolutely. Made for more. A fresh start approach to bolder, brighter you by Lindsay Seeley. Lindsay, um, anything we haven't shared that you really want people to know? I just feel like we get so caught up in the stress of life and the overwhelm and the to-dos and you know we're all we're all just running around <laughs> as quickly as possible and frenetically as possible. And I think that. That's what we need to do to survive each day. But I would just encourage everyone to take time to step back from the craziness and to really give it some, some deep thought and consideration of, you know, what does more mean to you? Because I think we're so much more than the to-dos and the checklists and, you know, proving our worth and achieving and, and again, having money in the bank and achieving success in some way. But, but I think there's a more in all of us and I can't tell anyone what that is. It's a very individual experience, but I do believe that there's more to us than the worries and the fears and the obstacles and self-doubt and insecurity. So I would just, yeah, encourage people to explore and to really be active about creating their more. 
Beautiful. Where can people find you? Uh, com is my website and they can also follow me on Instagram at bold new girls. Beautiful. Thank you so much for taking the time and being with us. Thank you. And for all of you who are out there, create an amazing life for yourself and everyone around you. And until next week, bye-bye.